What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lightning Lamp Podcast. I am here with Tim. Your host with the most. And yes, I'm sure you can tell that I sound nasally and disgusting. Um, that was why we didn't do a live reaction to the top 10 draft picks last week, because I got put on my ass by a summer cold. Um, luckily, you know, it's nothing more serious than that. You know, went and got all myself checked out and tested, so no no coronavirus or anything, just a really bad summer cold that's kind of put me on my ass for the last week or so. So um, this episode, I mean, we're just going to jump right into it because quite honestly, we do not have time to fuck around. Uh, we're going to be doing all of the off-season events up until, up until today, which is June 28th, and everything including free agency on including trades made today are going to be tackled next week so we're going to split this into two weeks so this episode is kind of catching up on the off-season stuff we have missed and then next week's episode is going to be doing some catching up on the free agency and whatnot so without further ado again i apologize for the way i sound and if i have to clear my throat a lot i'm still getting over some congestion or whatnot so Let's just get started. Um, these trades are going to talk about, not necessarily in chronological order, just in order of uh, of intrigue, I suppose you would say, um, how interesting I find these particular moves. So, I mean, I guess we'll start with the, the biggest one, I think, of the offseason so far, which is Seth Jones traded to the Chicago Blackhawks along with a first-round pick in 2021 and a sixth-round pick in 2022. And the Jackets get back Adam Boquist, a 2021 first and a 2021 second, along with a 2022 first. So, you know, shortly after that, Seth Jones signed a eight-year, $9.5 million contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, been an interesting offseason for the Blackhawks. They've made some moves, clearing up some cap space. You know, I guess we can kind of talk about this trade in conjunction with the trade they made with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, the Blackhawks traded defenseman Duncan Keith and forward Tim Soderlund to the Edmonton Oilers for Caleb Jones and a third-round pick. So, you know, what do you make of, of these these moves? I guess, you know, we'll start with the Seth Jones one. You know, what does this like mean the- for the teams involved here? I like the addition of Seth Jones. I think he's especially with losing uh, Seabrook and Keith in this offseason. I think that getting Jones was exactly what they needed. He really fits that role of what Seabrook was when they won the Cups. And he's also put in offensively, and he also has that shutdown defensive game. So I think Seth Jones is an animal. And I think this season was a big hiccup in his career, not because of him, but because of the team around him. So I'd like this, I like this move. So, I mean, I guess ultimately also, I don't think either side really necessarily won this trade. I think it's a better trade for Chicago in the long run to, to not only acquire a guy like Seth Jones, but to get a first-round pick out of it. So, you know, they swap first-round picks. You didn't lose your first-round pick from this year. So essentially you traded Seth Jones... You traded for Seth Jones, and all you had to give up was Boquist, a second and a first. I think that's a really, really good value for a guy like Seth Jones, who's 
one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL. I mean, in my opinion, he's without a doubt a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. And, you know, that's that's really solid value, honestly. I guess my only question is, uh, from Columbus's side, is, well, what does this mean? I mean, Patrick Line accepted their qualifying offer, so he's coming back for at least one more year. You fired your head coach. You know, John Tortorella's gone. You traded away Nick Foligno. You've traded away now Cam Atkinson, who went to the Flyers in a swap for Voracek, which that's a really bizarre trade. I'm not really sure what the deal is there. But, you know, Jones is gone. Bobrovsky's gone. Foligno's gone. Mark Savard is – or Denny Savard is gone. All these – big name pieces that were part of that Columbus Blue Jackets core have all been either traded or walked away you know where do you go from here if Patrick you're the Columbus Line Blue Jackets who Patrick Line is still there well he's not part of the core though yeah. I wouldn't no I know I'm just I'm that was just a joke like um, what what does this mean where do we go from here with the Columbus Blue Jackets I'm genuinely confused what these Columbus Blue Jackets are doing Based on all of what they've done this offseason, it looks like they're heading for a rebuild when I thought that they were in the middle of middle of one. It looks like they're trying to go back to step one. <clears throat> or maybe go back to like step two when they were already at like step three or four of five. Uh, I felt like it was kind of a... I don't think it was a bad trade for them. As you said, I don't think either side really won. But I think that they definitely offset themselves for where they were. Or what they were trying to be i mean there's no doubt that the jackets are a worse team off in terms of on the ice in this trade i mean you don't lose a guy like seth jones and not become a worse team there's just no way around that but you know they did manage to tender line a so i think really what happens with him is going to be a huge indication of where this franchise is going because if line a is traded during this season i think that kind of indicates that they're headed for a complete teardown and a complete rebuild which you know the jackets had some pretty okay teams under john torella i mean they swept the lightning in 2019 they knocked out the toronto maple leafs in the bubble last year this year took a huge step back the the team has some pieces that still make it a good team you know you still have Zach Wierenski you still have Eunice Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens I just look at the team now though and say well really if your intention was to still be competing I could understand trading Jones for a little bit of offense up front but then wouldn't you have gotten back perhaps a more dynamic piece than Adam Boquist because no offense to Adam Boquist but he can't carry an offense like the Columbus Blue Jackets need their offense to do so I don't know I think that maybe this is just set I mean we knew that this trade was coming as of last year really but maybe this was just Columbus saying you know we can't win a Stanley Cup with this core, so why don't we just cut our losses now and go on to the future? 
And I think their trade with the Flyers may indicate that a little bit as well, considering that they took on a heftier contract for kind of a similar player. So, you know, I think that's kind of what that means. And then, you know, we can talk about the other piece of this trade as well. Um, obviously, the Blackhawks intending to compete again um, uh, with moves like this. They also traded for Marc-Andre Fleury, but that's kind of up in the air as far as whether or not he's going to play. Indications are right now that he probably doesn't want to play in Chicago, but that to me shows that the Blackhawks are saying, well, we're going to still be competing. And part of that is shedding bad contracts for better players. And for the Oilers who need defense, they acquire Duncan Keith. I guess my question to you is, is this the right defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers? Duncan Keith? Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't know what made them think getting a slower Tyson Barry was going to be a good idea. But... Well, they resigned, the by did. the way. They resigned Tyson Barry, so... Yeah, I would... Uh... Ah, they're just trying to eat cat. You know, How do we uh not help our team by getting a goalie? Hmm. Let's just get more defensemen. Let's just get more players. We don't need a goalie. Well, not only are we getting defensemen, but we're not actually getting defensive defensemen. You know, listen, Duncan we're getting Keith... sauced over machine. You know, Duncan Keith in his prime was one of the best two-way defensemen in the NHL. And he was never a Nick Lidstrom in his own end. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. But he was capable in his own end. And I think the thing that set Duncan Keith apart from a lot of his contemporaries is his work ability. I mean, his work ethic. He was a horse. I mean, he ate minutes like nobody's business on those Blackhawks teams. But he's not the same anymore. And for a team like the Oilers, who let's not beat around the bush it has not been the scoring that has been the problem they acquire an offensive defenseman in Duncan Keith who's not as efficient in his own end anymore and then they re-sign Mike Smith for two years at two and a half or 2.25 million dollars I mean can we are is it finally time to start looking at Ken Holland and, and wondering if he's the right man for the job in Edmonton is that the point where we're at? If this if this season doesn't go well, and it's the same old story of Connor McDavid puts up 150 points, Leon Draisaitl puts up 95 points, they make the playoffs, they get smacked in the first round, the goaltending lets them down, and the defenseman can't cover a puck in their own zone. At what point do we stop looking at the players and we start looking at the general manager? Is this the season? Do you think that this is kind of the the straw that might break the camel's back in Edmonton? You would almost hope so because you don't want to see McDavid play out his career in a shithole that doesn't go anywhere ever. Part of what makes Gretzky the great was the great one was all was his accomplishments. <laughs> like if Gretzky didn't win all those cups, do we really call him the great one? Probably not. He's probably just a really, really good player at that point. So they're going to throw away his career. They're going to wind up throwing away dry sidles, which probably... Actually, no, I could see him walking away. 
you would hope that the GM would really put some effort into trying to build the team right now for right now. I mean, I just... There's something to be said about building a team for like three to four years from now, considering McDavid is still young. But at that same token, the guy's good enough to get you to the playoffs almost every year he's done it. So imagine if they just had a goalie. Imagine if they just had a, the right coach. Imagine if Darnell Nurse wasn't playing like 60 minutes in overtime games. I mean, like, I just don't understand why Ken Holland is so averse to putting money on the table for goaltenders. And it seems like there are a couple GMs out there right now that they just won't do it. They just will not pay the goaltenders. And I don't understand where this is coming from because Ken Holland was the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. In He became the GM in 1997, okay? This man had Red Wings teams that featured Dominic Hasek, Chris Osgood, and Jimmy Howard. One of the greatest of all times in Dominic Hasek, a severely underrated goaltender in Chris Osgood, and a solid starting caliber goaltender in Jimmy Howard. Did he not realize that part of his team's success was the goaltending? I mean... For a guy that watched Dominic Hasek play in the red in the spoked wheel and win him a Stanley Cup, and then watched Chris Osgood win him another one, you would think you would have a little bit more respect for the position in the net. But he just seems like he will absolutely refuse, 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 refuse to pay goaltender. I mean, ha- <clears throat> the Oilers have not had a truly elite goaltender in Edmonton since he took over. Now, granted, he's only been in Edmonton since 2019, but, I mean, come on. They're like, it's not like he hasn't... It's not like he's had a goalie who is on a long-term contract and he's been with the team for years and he's kind of holding the team back at this point, but his contract is so bad you can't get rid of him. I mean, he's had so many opportunities, you know, when Cam Talbot left... And then last year, when Mike Smith's contract was up last year, and he had the opportunity to sign anybody, and he decided to throw a contract at Miko Koskinen because he was cheap. I mean, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. We've seen goalies move in this offseason. It doesn't make any sense. It's not like goalies haven't been available. Uh, It doesn't make any sense. Like, they, they went out of their way to go sign Mike Smith again. When, in reality, they should have been looking for other options. I mean, again, not to, like, pull back the curtain too much on next week's episode or anything, but Philip Grubauer is available for only $6 million. He was signed uh, today. They could have signed Linus Allmark for $5 million. I mean, I wouldn't have even been mad had they went out and gotten Peter Morazic for 3.8. Like, any of these guys are upgrades over what you have. Freddie Anderson for 4.5. You're telling me that you really hate your goalies so much that you're willing to pay Mike Smith 2.2, but you're not willing to pay, you know, Freddie Anderson 4.5 for only two years? Or, I mean, hey, 
if you're talking cheap goaltenders, why weren't the Edmonton Oilers talking to the Carolina Hurricanes about Alexander Nedeljkovic, who's only making $3 million for two years? I just, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get where Edmonton's bag is at this point. And, I mean, it only gets weirder with them, right? I mean, you trade for Duncan Keith, another offensive defenseman. Oh, got to help out McDavid. You know, the whole emphasis recently has been on get McDavid wingers, get McDavid wingers. Well, McDavid put up 90, you know, million points basically last season playing with the team he had. So how about we instead get McDavid some defense? I mean, I'm just saying. Um, kind of bizarre and on that front, but... Um, we'll move on to the Buffalo Sabres active in this offseason. I mean, I guess, you know, like the indication is the the rebuild of the rebuild is on. And they make two trades of significance still waiting on the Jack Eichel trade, but... Uh, the Sabres trade away defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen, and they acquire Robert Haig, a first and a second from the Flyers. They also trade away Sam Reinhart to the Florida Panthers and acquire Devin Levy and a first. Um, yeah, I mean, who? I mean, I said it <clears throat> in my offseason preview. Everyone who's not named Rasmus Dahlin can get jettisoned out of a cannon. Obviously, they pick up Owen Powers, another big, strong defenseman in the draft. What what are we looking for out of the next Buffalo Sabres rebuild? I mean, if you're building this Buffalo team, obviously now you have two high-end prospects on the back end, Darlene and Owen Powers. You know, what are you looking for out of this draft? And how do you think, I guess, how do you think they did with these trades? Do you think they got decent value for their players? Decent value for their players is tough to say when they're in the pickle that they're in. They don't really have much of an option for gaming, like, a trade. Like, so I think that they kind of had to... I think that they were kind of shackled or handcuffed in what they were able to do in regards to their team this season almost. Because they know their players aren't happy. They know that the team isn't happy. They know that the fans aren't happy. And they know that they need to do something. So I think that they were really just trying to make moves in the hopes of showing signs of rebuild for that sake. Because it's a trash can fire, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I think, I think honestly, if you ask me, I think they did pretty well in these trades. I mean, Robert Haig, a first and a second for Ristolainen, is really, really good value in my opinion, especially <clears throat> the perception of Ristolainen has not been very kind recently. People have been very, very hard on him. Um, not really sure why, because it's not like he's playing with a good team, but they've been very, very hard on Ristolainen. So to get Haig a first and a second who, let's be real here, you could always flip Robert Haig at the trade deadline. You know, teams always need defensemen. And then to get a first-round pick out of Sam Reinhart, um, I think that's solid value. I think this is a great trade for all teams involved, honestly. And, you know, let's let's 
kind of start connecting some pieces here and we'll talk about the Flyers as well you know they had a three-team trade with the Predators and the, no the Golden Knights almost called them the Nolden Gites um, Philip Myers and Cody Glass end up on the Predators Nolan Patrick ends up on the Golden Knights and Ryan Ellis ends up on the Flyers so Flyers loading up on defensemen this offseason what is you know I think that this was necessary from the Flyers' perspective. I mean, we talked all of last season about how it's not just the goalies. It's the defensemen are just staring into the ethereal void, essentially, letting pucks fly by them. You know, the Flyers also unloaded Shane Gostaspair to the Coyotes, who apparently have just decided to take every single bad contract in existence under their wing and just start munching cap like they're freaking pac-man um so i mean if you're heading into next season with a top four featuring ivan provorov uh travis sanheim ristolainen and ryan ellis i mean that's got that's got to get you a little excited does it not you hmm ye <laughs> no i'm I'm very excited for that team next year. Sam Reinhardt, I think, was a great addition. That's a young, pros like, not prospect of talent, but a young, untouched talent, I think. Well, he went to really the to Panthers. Oh, okay. I'm so well, yeah. I, so, were you not talking about that part of the trade? I was talking about the Flyers. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misheard you. Um, hmm. The Flyers are a scary team next year, and we said that this year. At the beginning of this past season, we said the Flyers are here to kick ass. And I think they might actually be there to kick ass this time with that defensive help that they threw in. They that back end coach. Ryan. <laughs> New coach, <Yeah>. too. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Well, I think AV also has the problems of overstaying his welcome in some regards. Yeah. Like, you, you saw with his time with the Rangers, it's very clear when A.V. loses the team, and it's very clear he lost the team. Yeah. So, you would hope that with the addition of the new coach, with getting Ryan Ellis on the back end, with adding Ristolainen, that, you, that back end's really going to be solid. And Cam Atkinson, which, I mean... I'm sorry, wasn't Voracek sent there? No, Voracek went from Columbus, uh, went from fly, the Flyers to Columbus for Cam Atkinson. Kind of a weird trade, in my opinion. But um, you're, you might be confused because Voracek was on the Blue Jackets at the start of his career. And Yeah, you know what it was? I, that, that was the article I saw. That's why I'm, thinking, that's why I'm confused because I saw the article um, about him going back. Yeah, no. They traded Voracek to yeah. the Jackets for Atkinson. They save a little bit of money on the cap space, and they get, honestly, a pretty similar player. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think Atkinson might bring some life into that team Some because Voracek... Voracek was really just playing with Giroux, honestly, when he was out there. And neither... The whole offense just looked like shit, honestly. I think that they just needed to mix it up too. Like, 
I wouldn't be mad if they went out and did a bunch of other stuff also. But so you were going to talk about um, the Panthers. So what are your thoughts on the the Florida Panthers acquiring Sam Reinhardt? I think that's awesome. I thought that was a great, great acquisition because, like I said, I think that Sam Reinhardt will really mesh well with um, with maybe Huberto and those and a lot of the front end players. They Florida's an exciting young team. And that's just another untouched talent to be added to the pool. And I think that that's where a lot of <coughs> untouched talent goes, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think that Sam Reinhardt was very underrated in Buffalo. He kind of had the same issue as Jack Eichel did. Of course, being the other center, the question always became, well, who are you playing with? And the answer, for the most part, for both of them was nobody. Um, you know, and again, we're talking about this from the perspective of we're still waiting for that Jack Eichel tree to be made because all indications at this point are that it's going to happen before the season starts. So, you know, to get Sam Reinhardt out of Buffalo at the time you got him, for the first round pick is pretty solid value. I honestly think that he's genuinely one of the more underrated players in the NHL. And I think finally getting onto a team with some pretty significant upfront firepower in Florida, you know, you got guys like Barkoff, Huberdeau, Bennett. Um, they also signed uh, somebody else today whose name is escaping me. Uh, Duclair is still down there you know you're upgrading the kind of talent that you're going to be playing with and what this allows you to do is you can put Sam Reinhardt on the wing you can put him in the middle you can have him as your one-two punch it gives you options if you're Florida and we've seen him be successful in Buffalo in that trash can it, he, he puts up points every year so and given he was playing with so you know you're gonna get points in that regard but imagine him playing with maybe Huberto now he'll get maybe twice as many points imagine yeah. him playing there's so much to do with him because there's like I said there's it's untouched potential because he was in that trash can for so long I, I think it gives Florida another weapon up front on a top six that's pretty lethal it gives and him a little what bit more. Him for? Um, he's still under contract, so. Yeah, I'm saying, what is he there for? He his contract is. I'm gonna once again give a shout out to our friends over at Cat Friendly, an absolutely phenomenal resource for anyone that likes hockey. Um, Sam Bennett is signed for another four years at four point four million dollars. Oh no, that's Sam See, Bennett. That's Sorry, solid. duh. Um, oh. Sam Reinhardt's an RFA, so they have to sign him. <clears throat> so we're not sure what his contract's going to be yet. Hmm. You see that that's very interesting then. Because I'll be interested to see how much they get him for. I think that I think he in theory he should be lowballed because of where he's coming from. 
but maybe not. The I lack of, imagine... I guess. In... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I would imagine there was a lack of interest in him for him to go to Florida for Devin Levy in the first. That's not. I feel like he might have been worth more somewhere else, but could just be me. I don't necessarily know if the value is off, but what kind of lends itself to your argument is that he was traded in division, and you generally don't trade a young guy like him in your division if you can help it. That's what I'm saying. It, I, I, like it, it didn't make much sense. But as I said, I think that the Sabres are kind of – I think that they were kind of handcuffed in what they were able to do this season to some regard because everyone would be trying to just – really give them the runaround for their team because they're not worth anything the team and like the players aren't happy so they obviously want to leave i imagine that reinhardt will probably end up with somewhere in the vicinity of a five million dollar contract um you know <clears throat> if you look at this team they actually have some super team friendly contracts right now i mean bar costs only making 5.9 but I there's there's they have some very nice contracts on hand that team I mean, it, next year and the year after, they're going to owe some people some money. That's for sure. I mean, Barkov's going to get like $9 million next year. but And then Cubido will probably get like 75 to $8 a year after. But And if they don't, it'll be highway robbery. <clears throat> Unless, of course, they give them the Landeskog discount, which still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, Landeskog, for what it's worth, I mean, he's still getting paid $7 million, but that is a hometown discount. But that was that was started by Nathan McKinnon, though. But that's what I'm saying, like, well, okay. It's funny that you can kind of see the kind of player that buys into something like that, a hometown discount, because McKinnon said he would do it. Landeskog did it, and then you look at Kale McCarr, who McCarr, just nine million. nine million dollars. So on his inch, on like his first con, on his first contract, like kind of a on. yikes. But like <laughs> Landeskog's been getting snuffed for so long. He's an undervalued and underrated player, in my opinion. He's been on that. He's been on the team through thick and thin when they were make when they were being competitive, and then getting kicked out of the playoffs run like at the last couple weeks, some seasons. Like, it, he has a that's a rough position to be in. So let, let's actually talk about Colorado because I want to talk about Colorado and I kind of want to discuss them in the same breath as the Carolina Hurricanes, right? I want to talk about these two teams real quick because there's some stuff that's happening with these two teams that doesn't make any sense to me. So let's we'll start in Colorado, right? Colorado, you know, you get Landis Gog on a good deal. You have to pay Kale McCarr because uh, I kind of think that the league pumped his tires and he bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I think everyone pumped this guy's tires up to a $9 million contract. Honestly, if I was paying him, I would have offered him like six or seven because, uh, hey, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but you're, um, you're actually okay. only 22 years old. And, Dougie uh, Hamilton just got nine mil. Like, come on. Yeah, like let's let's not be silly here. But <clears throat> you know, I think that people pumped his tires and he believed it. But 
the real interesting situation comes down to the goaltending in Colorado because Phil Grubauer is gone. Ironically, gone to the Seattle Kraken. So I don't know what the deal is there. But they also traded away Ryan Graves. You know, they traded Ryan Graves to the New Jersey Devils for Mikhail Maltsev and a second-round pick. So when you look at this defense, you have Kale McCarr, Eric Johnson, Sam Gerrard, Devon Tays, Bowen Byram, and Curtis McDermott. Can you name me anyone on this list who actually plays physically besides Eric Johnson? McDermott gets run into the boards a lot. Like, (laughs) like, these guys get hit a lot. They don't really hit anyone. So, no, like, I have no response because they got rid of, we said it during the playoffs, they, they had no grit. And so what was their option? Let's get rid of the grittiest player we have. They took a Rangers mentality to that part, and I don't understand. It's really followed suit of the Rangers. Let's get rid of all the grit. Like, let's let's just just as a fun social experiment for you Colorado Avalanche uh, general managers who are definitely listening. You know, I know Joe Sackick listens to our podcast every week, obviously. So just as a fun social experiment, right? Ryan Graves is 6'5", 220. Okay. Eric Johnson is 6'4", 225. All right, he's a big boy. Curtis McDermott, 6'5", 233. All right, now we got some size. Let's let's keep it going, right? No, no, we're not. Because Sam Gerrard's 5'10". Bowen Byram is 6'1", 190. Devontae's is 6'1", 191. Connor Timmons is 6'2", 185. And Cam McCarr is 5'11", 187. Jacob McDonald is six foot two oh four. Most of their defensemen that will be actively playing, if we're gonna assume that the list starts with Byram, Gerard, Johnson, McCarr, Taze, and then I don't know, I guess we'll throw in Curtis McDermott. They're gonna have two defensemen over two hundred pounds. And everyone else is under. So why would you trade a 6'5", 220-pound defenseman when we all watch them get run around or you know run into the ground by the Vegas Golden Knights? The Vegas Golden Knights weren't beating them with speed. They were beating them physically. The forecheck was relentless, and everyone was like, wow, why can't the Avalanche get out of their zone? Well, because they can't get out of their zone because they can't skate the puck because every time their defenseman gets hit, he gets blown into another galaxy. So, A, we're getting smaller on the back end. And B, now we don't have a goaltender. So what the hell is going on in Colorado? Like, do you have any idea what is happening? Can you, like, am I just missing a potential vision for this team that I'm just not seeing? Like, what, what, what do you think is happening here? I don't. I honestly don't even know. I, some someone, Nathan McKinnon is literally sitting in his house right now, just having a real bad time. Probably talking to Sidney Crosby on the phone. Like, what do I do? What do I do? How did you? How did you do it? 
Sid, how did you do it with your with your GM? Did you talk to him? Did you do the trades? I don't, you, you. So, we all were sitting here thinking, okay, they're going to sign Grubauer. All right, they're going to sign Grubauer. It'll be all right. They don't get Grubauer. Who else went today? Pretty much all the other goalies in free agency. That are worth something. You see defensemen going left and right throughout the league. You don't even take a shot, maybe, at, I don't know, maybe going, trying to sign Tyson Barry. Offensive, physical guy, maybe. Not the biggest guy, but, you know, something. Like, you don't go for maybe Keith Yandel. Uh, I don't, like, you even Nick Letty. You don't go for Nick Letty, who went for Richard Panic in a second-round pick. Yeah, maybe not the best contract, but, like, come on. I mean, honestly, I'm not even concerned about them not getting any of those guys as far as, you know, because I don't really think that solves the problem. But, I mean, the Rangers today signed, um, what's his face? I put it in a chat. Who did the Rangers sign? Patrick Nemeth. I mean, Patrick Nemeth is the perfect guy. 6'3", 228, defensive defenseman. Only wants two and a half million dollars. Like, hello? Like, he's the answer to your problems. But I guess we don't want him because we had him and he only put up one point in the playoffs. So I guess that's not good enough because we don't care about defense anymore. I mean, I just don't get it, man. I really just don't. And then, you know. I guess my question is, let's assume that they end up getting, like, a mid-tier goaltender. Maybe they trade for, you know, Anton Hudobin or, uh, I don't even know who's left on the market at this point. You know, Anton Hudobin or... Or Ottinger, maybe, because we don't know which one. If Dallas trades Ottinger, they're just fucking brain dead. Like, I mean, there's just no excuse for that. are, Are you surprised by their brain deadness? Um, let's say they get like uh, Anton Hudobin or an Alexander Georgiev if the Rangers decide to go away from him one year early do we feel better or do we feel worse about the Avalanche going into next season compared to last season where did you stand on them I don't even know because they're my West Coast team, and they're really breaking my heart. And I've been rooting for them for so long. There's so much dog shit. And I finally thought we were out of it. And now we're not. And it's getting worse. And McKinney's getting frustrated now. He's pissed. He took the hometown discount. Landis Cobb took the hometown discount. They just... I, I, it seems like they only care about their superstars, almost. Which is ironic, because if they cared about their superstars, they would be getting Landis Gog and McKinnon actual defensemen and goaltenders to play with. But I know what you mean. It seems like they're just like, oh, Kale McCarr is like this next shiny new thing. So let's get let's try to fill the defense with a bunch of Kale McCars. I got, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I don't feel very good. 
I don't feel very good about the Colorado Avalanche right now. I really don't. I mean, they haven't. They, they have no size. They have no. We saw it with the Rangers this year. If you lack grit, and if you lack. Uh, not even forechecking, but kind of forechecking. If you lack that physical presence in a game, you'll never win in the end. Yeah, they might dominate the regular season again. Who cares? You, pl It's not the same when you have to go face a team six times in 12 days. Six times in 10 days. like More like 10. Uh, I just... I don't understand why... It... Does it not feel to you like a lot of these teams are looking at what Toronto is doing and looking at what Edmonton is doing and saying, I want to do that? I was just thinking in my head, when you said Toronto, or before you started the statement, I was like, you know, they really just want everything to work out. Like, they're really, the problem is, is McKinnon is phenomenal. In my opinion, he's probably, he might be the best player in the league. But he's not McDavid. He can't do what McDavid does. Stop. Edmonton tried to build this team around McDavid. And they're almost successful, let's say. They almost got it. Honestly, a goalie and a shutdown defenseman, maybe a little depth, and they got it. They they, they can almost work without the grit in Edmonton because of their the skill that he has and the type of team that they run. It doesn't work anywhere else. It's not going to work anywhere else. It's not even working Edmonton, in Edmonton. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it's not even working there. And even if we gave them the pieces, nothing says that it would work. Well, that's why I'm just... It, I'm so confused why it feels like teams are taking pages out of the Oilers' book and specifically taking a page out of the Toronto Maple Leafs' book when they haven't won anything. I mean, if we just talk about the goaltending, right? Not paying your goalies. Newsflash... Andre Vasilevsky and Carey Price combined made $19.5 million last year. There's a reason that those two goalies were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Andre Vasilevsky's on like a $9 million contract for a reason. Carey Price is on a $10.5 million contract for a reason. And then when you look at the kinds of goalies that are winning Stanley Cups over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years or so, <clears throat> me and you did that little experiment the other day. Really, there's only been a couple of Stanley Cup matchups where I wouldn't say that either team had a star goaltender. I mean, probably 2010, probably then um, the San Jose Sharks-Penguins matchup. And really, that's kind of it. Like, every other year has had a star between guys like, you know, they might not be making a ton of money, but they're, they're worth a ton of money in terms of their play. You know, Braden Holpe, Tim Thomas, Roberto Luongo. Carey Price, Andre Vasilevsky twice, uh, Jonathan Quick, Corey Crawford. I mean, you can't skimp out on the goaltending, and that is the model for success in the National Hockey League, and yet it seems like teams are ignoring that. It's it's like the weirdest phenomenon that we're looking at teams, and teams were applauding the Tampa Bay Lightning and saying, oh, they made a commitment, they got grittier, they paid for Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman, and they have Yanni Gord and Cedric Paquette and Andre Pallad and Alex Kalorn, and they're so gritty and they're so balanced, and that's the way to run a hockey club. And then they say all these great things, and then they look at the Tampa Lightning, they watch them win back-to-back -back Stanley Cups, getting grittier, and then they say, 
Yeah, but let's go do what the Toronto Maple Leafs, who haven't won a, a playoff round in 23 years, are doing. Am I insane? Like, why are we going towards this model that isn't working? I don't understand, and I don't feel very good about the Colorado Avalanche because they're getting faster and more talented, sure. How, how's that done you in the playoffs? When was, when was the last time that you were in the Western Conference Finals? When was the last that, time you played for the Stanley Cup? That's really what it comes down to. Like I said, it's these teams who think, who are looking at regular season numbers. And, I mean, yeah, I guess regular season games sell tickets. If you win, lose in the first round of the playoffs, I guess you sold tickets. I guess you as a organization fiscally might be benefiting from that, I guess, to some extent. But I, I don't see where your organization as an NHL contending team stands when you build a team and understand why you're building it that it's not going to work in the playoffs let me ask you a question can you name me the team that won the president's trophy in 2013 off the top of your head 2013 was that the caps i don't know i gotta be honest i don't know can you tell me who won the stanley cup 2013 Uh, i'm sorry i I, i'm i now need to look this up well, um, can you tell me who won the Stanley Cup that year? Um, twenty thirteen. That wasn't when the Black. They didn't repeat. So. Okay, you're kind of defeating my point. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Off top of my head, uh, you're killing me. Um, I'm, so, I'm drawing a blank. Was it? It was the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks won in Black ten, thirteen, and fifteen. Oh yeah, I, th- I thought it was them. But my point is, nobody gives a shit. At the end of the day, who wins the president's trophy? Can you name me the president's trophy winner in 1982? No. Can you can you tell me who won the Stanley Cup? I, I mean, it might have. 82 was it the yeah it was the Oilers right? No, I'm sorry, that was the um. You are killing me. You yeah, no, are absolutely killing me right now. <laughs> Tim is the antithesis of what I am arguing right now. Um, I tried to give you a layup. <laughs> Bro, I... Anyway. I, I but, would like you to realize that there's other stuff going on on my computer screen right now. Ultimately, my point is, you will not be remembered for winning Stanley Cup... Or for winning President's Trophies. Your organization will not be remembered for being a great regular season team's. I'll give you a better example, Tim. You as a Rangers fan, how many players from those really awesome 1970s teams can you name? Like maybe two or three? Maybe Brad Park? But I'm sure Park. I'm sure you could name me a lot of the ones off the 94 Stanley Cup team. Yeah. You know, like the, the Rangers are a perfect example. Mm. For, for 50 years, or for over 50 years, like 70 years, the Rangers didn't win a Stanley Cup. Something like that. Or maybe it was closer to 50. Or 1940, yeah, so 50 years. It was 54 years. Like, oh boy, congrats. You had a really good team in the 70s. Like, hmm, who cares, right? Did you win a Stanley Cup? No. Like, would we be talking about how good the Lightning are if they were swept in the first round for the last two years? No, because nobody cares. So why are we building teams to be good in a regular season? Take they a look at the Islanders. The Islanders the are like... Who cares about the Capitals? 
who the fuck cared about the Capitals for the past 20 years? Outside of the fact they that win, they were exciting they because of Ovechkin, like, there was a reason that people were saying that this team is a failure. Nobody cared that Ovechkin was breaking goal-scoring records, and nobody cared that they were winning President Trophies. Nobody cared because they couldn't get out of the second round of the playoffs. It's just such a weird, bizarre like trend that we're building teams for the regular season when it doesn't matter in the end of the day. Like The regular season is the car that gets you to the race, but if you can't win the race, then who cares? Nobody cares if that your go, car is nice. If we go through this President's Trophies list real quick, for the past 10 years, one person has won the cup, which is <laughs> tough. To be fair, most people believe it's a curse. But let's go, like, if we rattle, like, does anyone care that the Washington Capitals were two-time President's Trophy winners? No. When they lost in the second round to Pitt both years? Ask the fans no. in Vancouver how they how much they care about President's Trophies. I'm saying, in the past 15 years, Washington has won three President's Trophies. Which, okay, not to derail you, and this is kind of sneaking into next week's episode, but the the Washington Capitals just traded for Vitek Vanacek. What? <laughs> they what did traded, you just say? They traded a second round pick for Vitek Vanacek from the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> oh my God! What is this off season, dude? What? What is going bro can we go back to I, I need you to stop for one second can we go back to when i said they should have went for brendan Dillon? oh my god they they acquired so basically what happened is the capitals just basically traded a second round pick for a goalie that they got stolen from them like essentially what happened is the seattle kraken broke into the capitals home took their tv and then sold them their tv back no, but the better question is, why didn't the... I don't understand the Kraken either. I'm confused about them as well in this situation. That is so funny. I cannot believe that just happened. Bro, I made the joke about them trading Vanacek to the Avalanche, but like... Oh, anyway. Um... Well, this is this is an even better point. Now, what are the Avalanche going to do? Because we thought that we thought the Kraken were going to be maybe their good luck in the, all of this. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I have no this, idea. This offseason, is this like the most like brain cell dead offseason you've ever seen in your life? You know I, who's having a good offseason though? The Islanders, but that's not the point. So, oh my god. What, let's get back to the trades. Who else we got to talk about? We got to talk about... I, I want to talk about the Hurricanes because they're another team that I don't know what they're doing. So, the, the Hurricanes traded away Alex Nedeljkovic for Jonathan Bernier and a third round pick. Okay. All right. Then you let Dougie Hamilton walk. Okay. That's not ideal. Then you let Peter Morazic and James Reimer walk. Okay. That's still not great. You signed Freddie Anderson, which I like. That's a good contract. But are you telling... So the, the rumor was that they didn't want to pay Alex Nedeljkovic the money, right? 
he was asking for too much. Are you seriously going to sit here and tell me that you're okay with putting $4.5 million into Freddie Anderson, but you're not okay with putting $3 million into Alex Nedeljkovic, who, by the way, just competed for a Calder Trophy? And they signed Ronta for two mil. So you get so you're like, are you actually telling me that you'd you'd rather pay six million dollars for Anderson and Ronta instead of seven million dollars for Anderson and Delkovic? Is is that what is that what this comes down to? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Even if they don't sign Freddie, they just keep Delkovic. Or they, they keep Nadelkovic, right? And then they go for Ronta. I don't even hate that. Like I don't even hate that two two com that two goalie combo because Peter Morazic <clears throat> and and Nadelkovic would have been the same thing. I, I and think, I still would have been confident in the team with those goalies. I, I still think would have that, been confident in the Hurricanes. I think Anderson's an upgrade over Peter Morazic. I think we need to kind of ignore what happened last year with Frederick Anderson because he was not being treated very well in Toronto on any front, and the team's defense was garbage, right? I think Anderson's an upgrade over Mrazic, which is... I do want to talk about Toronto in a second, but my real question is, okay, the Hurricanes acquired Ethan Bear from the Edmonton Oilers. Good trade. They then signed Tony D'Angelo. Why? That man should never suit up again in an NHL game, and I am so incredibly disgusted by the fact that I now have to talk about him again. You know, a racist homophobe who likes to fight teammates gets a contract on a team that has prided itself on being inclusive and friendly. That, to me, is disgusting. I keep seeing shit on the internet about, oh, liberal New York, oh, liberal this, liberal that. It has nothing to do with a political agenda. He's literally racist, homophobic, an asshole, and a douchebag to his teammates. Even if we ignore his politics and his podcast, why would you sign a guy who fought two of his teammates last year? Or, well, fought one of them and then just got punched in the face by the other. And and not fight, because we've seen teammates have actual, like, fist fights on the ice during practice when times are bad. That's different than what happened. Tony D'Angelo was actually getting into personal arguments with these guys and saying some pretty not okay stuff about Keandre Miller. And he stole the puck. What the fuck is wrong with him? So. Who steals someone's first puck? It's his first goal. Why are you stealing the puck? I mean, and then we look at the the rest of the, uh, the moves the Hurricanes have made. I think they upgrade in net, despite the fact that they just let their Calder Trophy goalie walk. But you lose a huge piece in Dougie Hamilton, and you're not really replacing him in any way. I mean, they also signed Ian Cole for $3 million. Ew. Just... Ew. Why? Why? Why are we doing this? How do we feel about the Hurricanes going into next season? Do we feel better? Do we feel worse? Are we okay? I feel a little worse. You lose your star player, honestly, in Dougie Hamilton. 
you, I guess, are hoping to replace him on defense with Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> Uh, you, the goalie changes, like you said, I don't think we're the in the end aren't that big of a concern. But my concern is just: are they done? Is is this the end of their stupidity, or are they going to keep just? I, I I don't understand. This has been a horrendous off season. For the Hurricanes, in my opinion, I just losing Dougie for nine is fucking tough. He's a nine million dollar player, easy, and especially for five years, that's solid. He's not. It's not like he was asking for eight, which he could have. I mean, I know the math was against them, but you you got a decent. I think they made out really, really well with Freddie Anderson. I mean, $4.5 million for a guy that can do what he's done is solid. Auntie Ranta for two is solid, too. I think they made really, really good value on their goaltenders. I know the money is a difficult thing. I know they were up against the cap, but you couldn't have found a way to maybe make it work somewhere. I don't know. I To lose Dougie Hamilton for nothing, you know, well, Ethan Bear's a fantastic addition. I love that. I like the goaltending moves. Goalies, but you, why are you like you're saving money on your goalies and for like possibly forfeiting a future goalie in the hopes of getting money, but you're then reallocating the money poorly is my issue. Yeah, and not to mention just a terrible, terrible human being you add to your locker room. So it's just been a horrendous off season for the Hurricanes, honestly. Um, and you know we'll we'll end on some moves that um you know we're starting to get up to about close to the hour mark so um real quick i'm gonna save some of the moves that the islanders are making because we don't know what the deal with them is quite yet you know we always know that lou lamorello likes to play everything close to his chest we know that the nick letty move was made we know that they're rumored to be signing zach brise we're gonna save all that because the official reports aren't out yet, and Lou has always been very, very secretive about these things. So, um, you know, we'll end on discussing some moves that the Rangers made, which I actually think the Rangers have had a fantastic offseason to this point. Um, you know, they trade for Barkley Goudreau for a seventh-round pick, an absolute steal. They sign him to a, a pretty lengthy contract, in my opinion, six years, $3.6 million dollars. I don't hate the money if he plays on the third line. If he ends up getting slotted to that fourth line, that's a pretty hefty contract, I think. Um, but then they trade away Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues for Sammy Blay in a second-round pick. You know, They signed Patrick Nemeth today, again, sneaking into next week's episode a little bit. I thought that was a fantastic move. Um as a Rangers fan, you know, how are you feeling about this offseason to this point? I didn't like that Sammy trade for Buchnevich. I thought that that was... That hurt my soul a little bit on the inside. To watch just more of our grit and toughness just go away. To lose such a team player, too. Like, a, a team-oriented player. Like, it, it was clear that the guys meshed with him on the ice. It was clear that he was liked by the team and that 
he was a fire under the team's ass sometimes. So to lose him, Sammy Blais, it's just a little tough in my opinion. Not that Sammy Blais isn't a physical player at all, but he's not... He, he doesn't get the, the team moving. You know, I think you take Bushnevich, who is a top six talent in NHL. Um, Sammy Blay, I think, ends up being more of a middle six kind of guy. Um, you get the second round pick out of it. What do you make of, obviously, the trade for Gujo is fantastic. It's a seventh round pick. But what do you think about that six-year contract? <coughs> six years is rough, especially for the Rangers, who in the near future are going to have some contract issues, especially considering they have one right now. They have the, the Mika contract issue. Well, okay, yeah. Up. Mika Zibanejad actually is asking for Jack Eichel money. Like, are you serious? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess he, he thinks he's worth it, but I think he's a pigeon, so I disagree strongly with that. And you're going to have Adam Fox coming up Who's gonna want that fucking nine nine and a half now that he saw McCarr get it? Well, I mean, Norris Trophy winner, right? That's what I'm saying, Norris Trophy winner, baby. He beat the guy out, so he's got to get a bigger contract, right? He plays in the big city. You got to sign Igor this off season still. Um... Yeah, six years is tough for that because it makes structuring all these other contracts tough because you have to look that. At some point, you have to look at the team and say, okay, is Goudreau in it for these six years, or is he gone in, like, three to four? How are we going to structure everyone else's contract if he's going to be leaving or if he's staying? And not that you should be counting your days with someone as soon as you sign them, but as an organization and as a team, you are always looking for the looking to the future. When, when you make plans, especially when it comes to money and signing, so that's a big one. Even if it is only 3-6, like... I mean, that's still... If he ends up being only just a fourth liner, that's a lot of money. That's what I'm saying. It's a lot of money for that. If he winds up as that second-line player, 3-6 is solid. I'll take 3-6 for six years for a second-line player. That's not bad. But... Is he gonna is he gonna crack it? It cracking the Rangers top six isn't really that easy when you think about it. Be just because of the names they have. And it's not like they're necessarily superstars, but they're solid construct names. But then again, who knows? Quinn last season had the lines all sorts of fucked up. Yeah, that's why he got the boot. Yeah, I, I, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I'm excited for the future, I guess, but I'm also nervous because the Rangers have a lot to do this offseason left, and they really could fuck everything up. I swear to God, if they go for Eichel somehow and they don't get rid of Mika... I'll just shoot myself in the foot. If they try to keep both of them, I'll blow my foot off. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting offseason for the Rangers. I think to this point, they've done really well. We're still waiting on the details of that Shesterkin contract. 
to come out. I mean, they currently have $18 million in cap space, so they're not up against it this year. But <clears throat> next year, Mika needs a contract. Um, you know, Kraftsoft's going to need a contract. Kako's going to need a contract. Fox is going to need a contract. So you don't want to start selling too high on some of these guys yet. Um, I think the Rangers are in a really, really good position for next year. Or, yeah, for this upcoming year. The year after that, it's going to get kind of hairy with some of these contracts. Um, you know, if the Rangers get good years out of Barkley Goudreau, I don't mind 3.6. I'm just not sure about that $6 million. He might turn into their version of Leo Komarov, you know, where, sure, he's a good player, but he's just not worth the money that he's getting paid. Um, I'm also upset that the Rangers, one, didn't draft the center, and two... <coughs> didn't go for one in the offseason yet. Because the centers are rolling off the board and there really looks like they're banking on Eichel popping through. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with going into next year with Zibanejad and Strom. No, there isn't. But... I, I I think that's a decent one-two punch, especially because of how much chemistry Strom's developed with Panarin already. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. The problem comes down to Mika. Honestly. Well, what are you going to get out of him? You know, that's really the question. That's what I'm saying. Are we going to get half a season of shit Mika again, and then half a season of him just shitting on the teams who aren't in it anymore? I mean, or, yeah. Like... Like... It's really good that you can dust the benders out there, Mika, but what about the players who actually matter? Like, all right. Okay. Mika Zibanejad's numbers at the end of the year, they look pretty good. 24 goals, 26 assists, 50 points, 56 games. Oh, yeah, 12 points against 12 goals against the Flyers. Yeah, let's take 14. out those games against the Flyers where it's not like he was scoring big goals, right? It's not like Mika Zibanejad. It's not like that five-goal game he had against the Capitals where every single goal mattered, right? If we take out those games where he was scoring hat tricks against a team when his goals were goals five, seven, and nine, he sucked. Let's <laughs> not beat around the bush. Zibanejad sucked last year. Like, I... This isn't a just pile of shit, honestly. <clears throat> this isn't just an Islander fan picking on a Rangers players. He was garbage, right? He And the question is, what are you gonna get out of him this year? Because if you get another oh ho hum, have a bad start to the year, can't score a goal to save my life, oh look, the Rangers are out of the playoffs. Now all of a sudden I score hat tricks in back to back games against the Detroit Red Wings. Who cares? Honestly, who cares? So you can't have a guy like that be your number one center. So I think that this is a really pivotal year for Zibanejad. I think if he comes out and lays another egg and completely is invisible when it matters, because that's really the issue is last year he wasn't visible when it mattered. When it didn't matter, oh, Mika was the best player on the ice when it didn't matter. But when it mattered, he wasn't there. I think if the Rangers go into this offseason and Mika has another season where he's not there where it matters, you probably look for a first-line center for next season, bump him down to line number two, and let Strom walk. But I think you need to go into this season and see what happens because if he can score another 41 goals in like he did two years ago, he was scoring in big games when it mattered two years ago. 
So who knows? You know, what Mika's uh, advantage at are we going to get? I heard a lot of rumors about Strom, too. Is also part of the issue. About him not staying. <clears throat> I mean, if you let Strom walk, really, the Rangers acquired him for, like, literally nothing when they got him. So I think it was worth it in the long run. Yeah. <clears throat> um, one last thing. What did you think of the... What did you think of the Knights' moves? I mean, look, we knew that the Flurry trade was coming because <clears throat> there was no way to run the two of them, you know, Leonard and Flurry again next year. If nothing else, just from a cap space perspective, we knew that that trade was coming. I think they handled it like absolute shit. I think that what? they should be embarrassed for the way that they handled that situation. Oh, by telling them through Twitter? Essentially? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was embarrassing. The guy and, wins a Vesna. You know, as far as the other moves, you know, Matthias Janmark is a nice piece. Laurent Brassois is a cheap backup for Robin Leonard. Alec Martinez coming back is a pretty nice move. I think that the Golden Knights, all in all, are more or less in a good spot. I mean, to get, um, you know, being a part of that three-team trade, to get Nolan Patrick, I think, is really nice because Nolan Patrick was just criminally underused in Philadelphia. Um, he never really what? could stay healthy. And I knew that you, I know that you're a Nolan Patrick fan is also why I asked that. Yeah, you know, the thing is, he could never stay healthy for too long, and so that's why they got Kevin Hayes in the first place, because it was supposed to be Giroux and Patrick, but he couldn't stay healthy, so they went out and got Kevin Hayes, but now that Nolan Patrick is healthy, I think he looked pretty good last year, all things considered, on a pretty crap Philadelphia team, and I think going to Vegas is going to be good for him. I think Vegas could use another center, especially since... You know, Paul Stasny is not going back to Vegas. He's staying in Winnipeg. So I like it. I like Nolan Patrick to Vegas. I like the signings that they've made. I think they should be shot out of a cannon into a brick wall for what they did to Flurry. But it was, you know, that trade was necessary, not the way they handled it. Um, I think they're in a pretty good spot. You know, I think that they're going to come back strong next year, especially in that absolutely horrendous Pacific division. I think that they're in a good spot, honestly, all things considered. And one last point that I think that we should is this Arizona just eating cap, eating it for breakfast. Yeah, so every bad contract under the sun now belongs to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and I think it's a good thing because I think Arizona is looking at their team and they're saying, well, look, we're going back into the Pacific to, into the uh, Central Division. We have to now compete with the Chicago Blackhawks again. We have to compete with the Avalanche. We have to compete with the Blues, the Jets. It's not happening for us. And especially because John Chaika left such a horrendous mess behind. I mean, he left a, a flaming dumpster fire behind him when he left that organization. And it's I think it's very smart for them as a team to say... We can't fix this in the amount of time we need to be competitive with our core. Let's just tear it down. I mean, the 
trade to the Vancouver Canucks of Oliver Ekman-Larsen, which that's a huge pickup for the Canucks. I love that for the Vancouver Canucks. I think that's a great move. Um, you know, they trade Ekman-Larsen and Connor Garland to the Canucks. You know, they, they take on all these dead hits, <clears throat> and they're racking up resource. I mean, just from the Gostas Bear and the Lad trade, they picked up three second-round picks, a third-round pick, and a seventh just to eat bad contracts. And I think they said, we're not going to fix John Shika's mess, and instead we're going to let our new GM start over and build a roster in his vision instead of having to piecemeal his way through the garbage that was left behind by John Chaika. And I think that's what we're going to see in Arizona. We're going to see them eat all these bad contracts. We're going to see them trade away more of their pieces, and they're hitting the rebuild button. And honestly, I think it's the smartest possible thing they could have done in this situation. That's that's what I see in Arizona. Uh I don't, I don't really disagree with you. I think that they're, they're really looking towards the future at this point. They understand what position they're in, and there's something to be said about that. You know, it, it's good on the organization for not just letting the fire continue to continue to burn like some other organizations. It's also very interesting that we see it from the the, the uh, Coyotes considering their track record. It's. It's essentially they bought a fixer-upper, but they're going to gut the house and start completely over, you know? Like, don't try to fix the last guy's plumbing work. Don't try to fix that hodgepodge electrical work because you might just electrocute yourself and die. They're just like, all right, screw this. They're gutting the house and they're going to start over again, you know? Which sometimes you just got to do. Like, you can't fix this guy's mess. He left such a disaster behind him that... It's not even worth fixing anymore. Um, anything else you want to talk about last minute before we wrap up here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think Obi's worth nine and a half? For five yeah, years? maybe not for five years, but I mean, you think he'll actually live it out? Oh yeah, I, I think Ovechkin will play until he's like 43, 45. Like he's the kind of guy that he just loves hockey so much. He's just gonna keep playing. It, contingent upon him actually, <clears throat> a staying healthy, which he historically has never really had an issue with, and b having a competitive team around him. Because I don't really see him to be the kind of guy that wants to sit on a rebuilding team if they ever were to truly tear it down, but. I think he'll live out that contract, if nothing else, to try to break the record, right? Yeah, I think he'll be, like, sit in that regard that as long as he's there, the team will remain competitive, and they'll continue to try and push the competitive edge until it, even if it means sinking the organization for the next 10 years, they'll do it. I mean, they literally just retraded for the goalie they lost because they didn't have one, so... They are willing to do it. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a bad trade, though. It's just interesting. It's not a bad trade. It's just hilarious. But um, like I said, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Next week, we'll go over more of the actual free agent period signings. And we'll catch up on any trades that we missed in this episode. So stay tuned next week for our second part of this two-part series. I want to thank you guys for watching. 
and we will see you guys again next time.